0: What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers, You listen to the Pace podcast. Be sure to follow him at Pace on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. And he's finally arrived back in the country, so we've managed to get a hold of Alex Riley. Alex, you just spent like a month in the US and a fair bit of time in Indy. And you were there for the Pascal Siakam acquisition. So we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. We've got so much to talk about on this episode now that you're back on my time zone and you have access to a computer and a microphone and all that sort of stuff. But give us a rundown straight off the bat of your experience in the States over the last few weeks, what games you saw, who you met on your travels and your overall experience. It sounds like it's a once in a lifetime thing.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a crazy one. I was just over three weeks. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm, I'm beat right now. It was like a 14 and a half hour flight, and uh, to let you know, the the TVs on the the flight weren't working, so it was it was a disaster class on that uh on that Delta flight. But nonetheless, we're here. Um, it was meant to record in America, but the time zones now I know why it's so hard for us to get interviews with people. It's just the yep. time zones are crazy, but. Especially Uh, with hotels as well. Like
0: you're checking out at the time that they record and you can. Exactly. It's it's messed up. So it's uh, it's hard to get players unless they're in our time zone.
1: No, exactly. Exactly. And uh, it's funny you mentioned the Siakam trade because that literally happened when I was on a flight from, I think it was Denver to Sacramento. And that flight got delayed for a couple of hours. So I was praying that it was going to happen and I knew it. I just knew the second I got on the flight. Oh, here we go. I'm gonna miss the Siakam trade. I think I missed it by a couple of hours, which is fine. But uh, that that was one of those ones where in Australia we normally miss those trades because it happens at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. So that was a uh, that was a fun one. Um, no, but the the indie part of the trip was unreal. Got there. The first game I watched was the box game. So uh, if we go back three weeks, yeah, Tyrese actually started that game. I, I, uh, he started like zero from four, zero from five that game. I thought I was, uh, I thought I was going to jinx the whole team, but nah, he he went off. Um, and the Pacers actually surprisingly had a good record. I was, I was five and one at the games I was at. I apologize to the Colts fans because I was there for that game <laughs> that they lost. Um,
0: but now nah, and mark. I was
1: there for Tyrese's, Yeah, I was there for Tyrese's injury as well. So maybe I am the curse. I don't know.
0: Was it the only game that they lost that you watched, the one that you had to leave to go to the Colts game? So you had yeah, like a yeah. double yeah, whammy, Celtics. two losses in the same day?
1: <laughs> that, that was a brutal night for me, mate. The, yeah. Left at halftime, the paces were down. I thought maybe they'll come back, maybe they won't, but I'll go to the Colts game. I run over to Lucas Oil because it's right down the road. Colts lose. I check my phone. The paces have lost. And I had to walk back in the rain that night. So oh, it was nothing was kind of depressing, worse. but... Uh, <laughs> Nah, no, it was it was crazy. Got to meet the legend John who Aussie Pacers fans should be familiar with. Uh got to catch up with Woody who's been on the show a bunch of times. And uh that that Hawks game, we we both were sitting pretty close to each other and ended up somehow making our way down to the practice facility. Woody, I'll give you a shout out. Woody, if you're listening, this guy can shoot the basketball, folks. Like he's uh he can play, so Credit credit where credits due. I think I made about two shots the entire night. Um, I will not be getting a ten day contract with the Pacers. I'll say that much.
0: But Woody's a chance. Uh, There's lights yeah. out.
1: Woody, he actually might. He can shoot. He was shooting from four point range and, and making it. Wow. So shout out to our guy Woody. Um, he, him and Justin might have to have a three point contest soon. Yes, we've got best, to see that. Up. Aussie Pacers fan. Uh, got to meet Miles that night. It was crazy. He's an awesome dude. Uh, shout out to his whole family. Got to meet his dad, who I'm sure Pacers fans have seen on TV a bunch. Yep. Um, got to see Buddy that night, which was an experience. He, <laughs> he was rolling around on his scooter that he loves so much. Was throwing out the Aussie accent. Um, yeah, he's, he's a he's a character for sure. I was but about honestly, to say the if there's an that,
0: if there's an Aussie term to describe Buddy healed, it's he's a character.
1: He absolutely is. I. He, Yeah, you you kind of just have to meet him because I don't think it really comes through on the screen, the person. You kind of see it and everyone talks about how funny he is, but yeah, once you spend like 30 seconds with him, you realize that that's kind of who he is all the time. Um, I thought he was going to be in a bit of trouble rolling out of the the stadium doors. (laughs) He just didn't even look around, just rolled out on his scooter. So if you are... If you're driving around, Luke. Uh, sorry, uh, the Gamebridge Fieldhouse tonight. Just be careful for Buddy Hill. Don't hit him. Um, <laughs> please,
0: please don't strike Buddy Hill with your car. If you're uh, if you're around the end of a game or the end of a practice, just be aware. He could exactly. be around in his scooter. Well, that's amazing. Um, and so much sort of took place over the last couple of weeks that we we need to get to. You alluded to the fact that you're on the flight when the Pascal Siakam trade became yeah. official, and it was just pure relation from yourself myself justin you know everyone that we speak to that uh, is involved with and loves this ball club to be able to acquire a second all-star on this roster i've said it um you know ad nauseum over the last couple of years that uh if you have one all-star then you know that's that's a good building block if you have two then you end up being in the upper echelon of a of a conference if you have three then you're a contender we now have you know two bona fide all-star caliber players and all nba caliber players in tyrese halliburton and pascal siakam with siakam approaching free agency it sounds increasingly like both siakam and the pacers are really keen on pursuing a long-term deal uh and i think at this point the entire fan base would appreciate a long-term deal for pascal siakam as well Uh, He seems to have fit in beautifully into the rotation. Uh, And I said to you during the week, Alex, I really don't know what I'm going to complain about now. Since about the (laughs) second episode of this show back in 2019, I've been saying we need a guy that defends the bigger forwards, the Yarnisses, the Jason Tatums. And we've finally got our guy. We've got the guy that can defend the all-world forwards of the East, of which there are quite a few... Really, really good ones and compliments our best player just in the most perfect way.
1: I do have to laugh at myself a bit. If you guys saw our DMs, you you would probably laugh at us as well. But I said before his debut against the Blazers, just please give me less than 25 points against Jeremy Grant one time in my life. (laughs) That's all I want. He had what did he have that night? Oh, I think he he had had like close to 40.
0: Yeah, or something. I don't yep. know, but yep, that's. Uh, um, it, it, it's him. It's uh, Jordan Clarkson.
1: Jordan Clarkson and, and yeah. a couple
0: of others that that taught. He had thirty-seven points in forty. Terrence
1: games. Ross used to do it to the yeah. Pacers a lot.
0: Yep, um, crazy. We just got a, yeah, a couple well, of think... players that love playing against Indiana.
1: Yeah, no, but but to your point though, Siakam gives the Pacers a legitimate power forward, which. They kind of haven't had since like Thaddeus Young, and obviously Siakam's an upgrade from him. Uh, These last two games since he practiced has been unreal. Twenty six point triple double against Philly, and you can touch on that game because you and me were both shocked that we were able to blow out a Joel Embiid team. Just doesn't seem to happen for us. Yeah, we just spoke about
0: um, players that get you know that pump Indiana that play really well against Indiana, and Joel Embiid is seemingly fantastic against the Pacers. He still had 31 points, but it felt like a quiet 31 points compared to Mm -hmm. how he's played Indiana in the past. And partially that's due to the fact that Miles had 20 of his own, as well as nine boards, as well as a couple of blocks. And it seemed to be that the defensive scheme that they were running, they were doubling Embiid at the right time. They were forcing him into, you know, three-point attempts and that sort of thing. So that's exactly what you want to do. He, uh, he was 11 of 20 from the field, 7 of 10 from the line. So they didn't make as many foul mistakes as they have historically. 10 free throw attempts. I think almost every Pacers fan will take that every day of the week. Uh, and if he can only outscore Miles by 11 points, then that's a win.
1: Yeah. Anytime you get Embiid or Giannis, one of those two guys, anytime you keep them to 10, 11, 12 free throw attempts, seems like a miracle um, although talking about guys that kill us, Devin Booker. What did he have? Sixty four, sixty six today, and somehow the Pacers got the win. Which I, I I'll throw it to you, but to me that was maybe the most impressive win of the season.
0: Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely agree. I I saw Booker had you know twenty twenty five points in the first quarter and thought, here we go. This is uh, you know this is Clay Thompson scoring sixty against us all over again. Uh, and, you know, this team, they, they stuck fat, as we say, in Australia. They were able to sort of stick within striking distance of Phoenix, not letting the margin blow out, um, you know, to more than, you know, 10, 12 points at any given time. And we've seen that this team is so good at scoring and so fast at scoring that if you can keep the margin to, you know, 15 and under you have the opportunity to be able to reel that back in, in the space of one quarter. They can go on scoring runs. They can get stops in a row. And they did exactly that. You know, you look at the the quarter by quarter breakdown, Phoenix was up by 10 at halftime. And then Indiana narrowly won the third quarter and then just blew them out in the fourth. They were able to shut them down completely. You know, a guy like Bradley Beal is, uh, is having a really, really bad season for Phoenix and, you know, finished with 12 points um, on 13 shots and six turnovers. So he was part of the reason that, that they lost this one, but I want to talk about why we won this game. And part of that was Pascal Siakam. Um, The luxury of having your best player out injured and still having a guy that can get a triple double on the first half of a back-to-back and score 31 on the second half of the back-to-back on relatively efficient numbers, it can't be understated because previously the Pacers have had one guy um, and we haven't necessarily had the the second guy be capable of that sort of performance in a really long time um, on both ends of the floor as well. You can talk about Sabonis being able to do this uh, and being able to put up big numbers. And he did prior to the trade, but he was never able to do it on both ends like Siakam has done. Um, and huge shout out to three guys in particular who have consistently been able to step up in you know, Tyrese's absence. And since uh, Pascal Siakam joined the team, the first one is Andrew Nemhard. Averaging sixteen seven assists over his last four games. The second is Aaron Neesmith, averaging fourteen points and six rebounds in his last four games. And the guy I want to talk about with respect to you know this last game, um, and to a lesser extent the Philly game, but was more prevalent in this one is Obi Toppin, twenty three points, eleven rebounds. I mean, that's precisely what you need from Obi. Uh, off the bench in this role that he has. I think he's definitely more comfortable off the bench. And now that he knows that he's playing be- behind Pascal Siakam and he's playing for a contract as well, you can see a hunger um, in what Obi is is putting up lately. And, and it was a brilliant performance today. He had some spectacular dunks, had that between the legs. Um, but he was great. Nemhard's been great, although some silly turnovers from Nemhard, but you expect that from a young player. Um, Silly turnovers in the in the Phoenix game, and he was able to correct that. He only had one um, against the Suns, and he had eight assists. And for Neesmith, Smith, I just love this kid. I mean, eleven million dollars a year. Alex, we've spoken about it. To a steal. Um, it, it's, it's one of the best contracts in the East. Um, the fact that we're playing, we're paying him, you know, half of what Miles earns, uh, a third of what Siakam earns, probably a quarter of what Siakam will earn, uh, a quarter of what Tyrese will earn. Those contracts, being able to keep that sort of slightly above rookie pay scale contract on your roster longer term for a key role player, it just can't be understated how important that is and how it extends your window out even further to be competitive because you can't trade Neesmith at this point. He's starting three, and if you did trade him, he would fetch such a king's ransom that, you know, Mm -hmm. it would overwhelm you with either assets or alternatively it would overwhelm you with, you know, a really good set of young players. But you're not going to trade this guy. He's going to start for you. He's a perfect starter next to Turner and Siakam. He brings the defense. He's still able to hit long range shots. I just I just rave about this guy. And he and he's got a fire in him that every fan wants to see one of their players display.
1: hundred percent. That like that competitive spirit. I mean, you kind of saw it tonight. He took that charge in like the last minute against uh, Grace and Allen, I think it was. And just the energy and emotion he showed, to me, that that really like encapsulated what he's about. And, uh, yeah, he's been amazing. One of my favorite Pacers in recent years. Um, And you were talking about the cap. He's going to take up 7% of the Pacers cap next season. 7%. Crazy. And he's the starting three. And he might, well, might be the starting two next year. Who knows? But he'll most likely start. And, you know, you think back to that Brogdon trade. No one thought Nicky Smith was going to be a part of the Pacers' future, really. I mean, it was it was laughed at, the return that they got for for Brogdon. So, you look two years in, into the future and, yeah, like you said, he's one of the most important players. I really wouldn't trade him. Um, he's one of those guys that, that's close to untouchable and... Uh, and you think about the guys that the Pacers were able to keep. I know the Pacers gave up three first-round picks. I understand that. But We've
0: got to talk about they how good that able trade keep,
1: was. They were able to keep Nemhard, as you said has been sensational since getting healthy. Were able to keep Matherin, which they were never going to trade him for Siakam. And they were able to keep Jarrus Walker, who I'll tell you what, Like I, I was watching. I was at the Sacramento game. I was at the Phoenix game where he played. And... I think it's going to be very tough for Rick to, to keep him out of the rotation long-term because he was playing well with Siakam. Like, he was playing the three and hitting shots off the dribble from long two, from three. So, if if Jarvis can keep that up, the fact that they were able to keep him and all the young guys, because that was my biggest fear when I was talking to you guys, you and Justin, was, oh, I love Siakam, but if we have to give up, you know, one of these young guys and picks, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. So, the fact that that we were able to hold on to all those guys incredible job by chad and kp and the whole front office
0: the, look the the trade for me um unfortunately bruce brown never really clicked for this ball club and i think he'll click for whatever you know playoff contender ends up trading for him at the yeah, deadline
1: he, he's going to get traded he, again he'll
0: be he'll be fine uh and he'll contend for another ring again so we wish him all the best but he just never clicked with with this ball club um and his contract was a means to an end. And the three picks that were given up uh, at this rate, both picks this season will be after pick 20, um, pick 20 or higher. Uh, and the third pick is uh, top four protected pick in 2026. And, and that to me is contingent on re-signing Pascal because if you do, then the trade was brilliant. Uh, and, Even if you don't, you had to try. Um, This is something where Justin's not on this episode, but if he was here, he would say he just wants the Pacers to try and contend. He just wants to see them do something, make a move, that is a positive step towards building a playoff contender. He's been saying that for the last four years in this show, Alex. And I
1: was about to say that was that was every second episode for the last yep. four years. <laughs>
0: yep. So, you know, he's obviously thrilled with this trade for that very reason. Um, and don't look now, but the Pacers have opened up a you know one and a half game lead on Miami for the sixth spot. And they're only two and a half games behind Cleveland and New York. Um they are fully capable of trying to get up into that four or five spot um, and getting out of the six. Because at the moment, you've got Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. Um, Those look to be probably, you know, in some order, the top three seeds. So if you can get into that four or five, if you can get into Cleveland and New York spot um, and New York playing a lot better than Cleveland after the acquisition of OG Ananobi, then you open yourself self up for a first-round playoff series against either Cleveland or New York. And I would say that Indiana would fancy itself in either of those series as capable of being able to win in a seven-game series. And then you meet Boston, who you know smacked you earlier in the season, um, smacked you again a couple of weeks ago. But you, you don't fear Boston probably in the, in the same way that you have in previous seasons. And that's not to say you don't respect the Celtics, they're the best team in the East by that far. It's not even funny. And they're effectively unbeatable at home, but you beat them in the tournament. You know, you were able to beat them in December um, and in January. So the, the season series is at two, two with the Celtics at this point, we won't see them again. we uh, see them one more time, beg your pardon. Uh, on Wednesday, we go to Boston uh, where they have barely lost a game, but You know We've been competitive against the best team in the East so far this season and, in fact, have won two games against them. Um, So you look at this trade and and they had to do something. You knew that Tyrese had kind of forced their hand and they'd become too good too quickly to just let another season go with the roster that they had. So they they threw their hat in the ring. And, And I guess my question to you in the wake of that trade is, You have Tyrese Halliburton, you have Pascal Siakam, you have Miles Turner, you have Aaron Neesmith, who I think is a bona fide starter for this ball club. Who is the fifth starter for this team when it all comes down to it? Who is the fifth guy? Probably a two-parter. Do we have that guy on the roster right now? And if we do, who is it? And if we don't, what do we need?
1: I feel like this is the Justin question right here, because he would be advocating for uh, double zero, but... Ah oh, man, it, it's tough because obviously long I don't, I don't think it's buddy. I think we can agree on that, right? Is it, look, um,
0: is you it, you alluded to it before, and I want I want to unpack it. You said that Ne Smith could be the starting two next season,
1: right? Right. Uh, the reason I, I said that as well
0: is because, because... Jarris Walker.
1: <laughs> Jarris Walker's played small forward for approximately
0: that. five minutes in the NBA, but he set paces Twitter just a blaze with how he played um in those minutes and how he was able to handle the ball is this a is this a legitimate conversation that we need to explore as the season winds down potentially wrapping up a a playoff spot does rick need to see more minutes for jarrus at the 3 to see if that could work
1: yeah I, w- I would imagine that that's probably a conversation for like 12 months time uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not saying of... this season,
0: but I'm saying yeah, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if, if Jarrus yeah, yeah. can um, handle the rock, if he can distribute, right. if he can score and shoot from outside, then hey, he could very well play next to Pascal and Miles, which I don't right. think anyone thought, you know, even a couple of months ago with the flashes we've seen of late, and they've only been flashes, but. Maybe even we say, "Hey, when he goes to the G League, he should play it small forward to see how that goes."
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And and the thing is, right? Like, I agree, but would Rick trust him enough in this season, where like you oh, said, not we're fighting season. for, no, we're fighting for like the four seed, home court advantage. Rick's not going to throw him out there at the three when we need to win like three games in a row to get home court. So. Look- I think um, that
0: I think the only that time that you throw him out at the three is if you're down like three-one to Boston, and Boston have been all over right, you, right. and you're like, "Hey, just see what you can do against Jalen Brown, uh, defensively, see see how you go defending him for, you know, a stretch of a game that we're probably not going to be win, going to win of a season that's probably over, um, or that last sort of week of the season if we've wrapped up a, a top five position." and that 4-5 series is is pretty much assured, then you throw him out there and see if that works, but not this season. But what I'm saying is, I mean, the, the fifth guy probably is either Buddy or Matherin. I still think Buddy's going to get moved though, as much as we
1: love do him. We, I was going to say, yeah, do we make another trade? That's my question. Like, The trade deadline is still a, a bit away. Do the Pacers make a trade now? Because we've seen rumors of Buddy w- and... O- Gordon, Haywood is, oh, Gordon oh, Haywood is available, Alex. No, 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 no. Mute it, mute it, nah. mute it. We banned those words from the podcast. Come on, Adam. Uh, we banned yeah. them from the sorry. show, mate. Sorry,
0: sorry. I I had to go PK, there.
1: He could be bought out. If, if you yeah. told me that we could get Gordon Haywood for the minimum, not yeah, 30 sure. or million or whatever, if we could get him for the bare minimum, yep. I would not hate it.
0: No, I, I guess you you have to explore it at that point. But I, look, I, I think the we, we have we clearly have a defensive um, front line in Miles and Pascal that can you know defend now at those positions. We have Neesmith that can defend against his, his position, so we can afford to have Tyrese out there and then have him surrounded by guys that can. Um, either handle it in Pascal's case and, and score, you know, 20 to 30 a game or shoot the long ball like miles and, and Aaron Neesmith. You need more, even more of that uh, ideally uh, because you, you don't really need guys that can handle it. You've got two of those. Um, Matherin to me strikes me as a quintessential six man uh, at this point because yeah. he's hot and cold and, uh, if he is able to get some consistency to his game and some maturity to his game, then he's the fifth guy. And Draymond Green said it during the week. He, you know, he is the the key to Indiana's success, and we've said it all season long. If Matherin is able to unlock his potential, if he is able to play with a poise and with a maturity that you know we haven't necessarily seen consistently across his career so far, if he's able to display that maturity, then he's clearly the fifth guy but today as we sit here is not. So we, we need to explore, you know, guys like buddy guys, like Isaiah Jackson um, and those sorts of contracts for another guy that's earning, you know, 20 to 25 million a year that can play the, the two or the three. Um, and I, I want to ask is you as well. While is, on is that Herb topic. Jones?
1: Yeah. Is Herb good. Jones available? Herb Jones yeah. is
0: apparently available now. I don't know how much he would cost because you know then you're getting into like 2028 20, picks, which is right. probably a little bit of a concern. Um, you you still have Mather in there. You still have an M hard uh, to play guard positions, but you you kind of have to try and get someone who doesn't cost you any more picks and and who doesn't cost you any more of your young players, and you can package together. You know, I would have said Obi's contract, but Obi's playing so damn well that you almost want him to be a backup power forward at this point. Um, and if he's willing to be paid like a backup, if he's willing to be paid like Neesmith in the off-season, for example, being a restricted free agent, that might force our hand. But if he's able to sign for a similar amount of money to Aaron Neesmith, then you do that 10 times out of 10. The, the worry is the wing position. Um, but there's not many guys out there that can fill – that void that give the combination of, you know, off ball play and defense that you kind of need beside Tyrese.
1: It's kind of like the, uh, the Pacers need that KCP trade. Um, yep. That was such a, an unbelievable move from the Nuggets that, that, you know, quintessential three and D player. Yep. Buddy obviously has the three, but uh, doesn't have the other side of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, oh, man, it, there's like not Minnesota really, there's not really anyone yeah, out there. Are I a mean, lot.
0: If you look at yeah. sort of your buddy contract, your OB contract for guys that are being shopped right now, Dejounte Murray is a guy that's being shopped, but he needs the ball in his hands too much. Um, he,
1: Mark, he would cost first round picks as well. He would.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, a guy like Marcus Smart, you could probably get his contract, but he can't shoot at this point. He's a great defender, but he, he can't play the other side of the ball. Conversely, Jordan Poole, he can shoot, but he can shoot you out of a game. We've already got, you know, young guys that are learning how to play. Poole's already learned how to play poorly. So you can't really trade for a guy like him. It, there's not much out there that you could really, you know, try and trade for. Uh, it's, it's a little concerning because you, you do need a, a guy that is big enough and and, you know, malleable enough to be able to defend guards in the East as well. And Neesmith can do that with wings, but that's where Herb Jones is such an enticing option because he can, he can play at an all defensive level. Um, so as long as he can run up and down and play at the pace that you want, then I'm all for it. Uh, and I'd even give up a protected 2028 pick to get him as well. I mean, why not go all in? He's contracted for the next three seasons or so at a reasonable number. So lock him down. Uh, you, you know, you, how often do you get a chance to get another sort of relatively young wing player with an all defensive upside?
1: I think the thing for the Pelicans as well is that they have to pay these guys, right? Like I think Ingram is due for an extension maybe this offseason. Yep. Or the next one. So Zion's you know, when, in and- when do you worry exactly? When do you worry about, you know, CJ's contract? Zion's contract, BI has like all this money. And then Trey Murphy has to get an extension. So yep. you know, I mean, for for the Pels, it's a question of who do you pay out of all of these guys? And Herb Jones is an elite defender, one of the best in the world. You know, you touched about guards there. Like who do the paces have that you put on Donovan Mitchell? Is yep. it Nemhard? Do do you start him right? Like, so that's the that's the type of player that you can put on a Jalen Brown put on a Donovan Mitchell, put on a, oh, we wouldn't meet him in the playoffs at this stage, but Trey Young if it came to that. So yeah, I still think that, like you said, the Pacers need that that fifth guy. Do we have him? A lot of Pacers fans will argue it's Matherin. I understand that. Probably not right now though. So can they go get that fifth dude for, you know, not all of their draft capital because they've already given up three picks. Can they get him without, you know, gutting their their young talent as well? Will be tough.
0: Yeah, I mean Herb, for what it's worth, his contract is really friendly. He's making twelve this year. He's signed for another three seasons. His max is fourteen eight, fourteen nine. So he's a shade above kneesmith money. And if you could pay your starting wings a combined, you know, twenty six million dollars a year, that'd be just it, it would be yeah. It'd be incredible. Um and you'd absolutely give up buddy in that deal, you'd have to consider giving up a guy like Isaiah Jackson in that deal as well, even though I think he's got one potentially one more year um, under his rookie deal. But I think you have to consider giving up a you know fairly heavily protected first as well. Maybe lottery protected, maybe top 10 lottery, protected, 2028 yeah. pick. Um, um, you, you have to go all in, in at picks,
1: this- two, we, uh, we can only trade two more, right? I think for the 28 and 30 future. Yeah. Right. Um, So that's why I was going to bring up another name, which was Mikael Bridges, but that's where you start getting into murky waters. Like they're going to want Matherin and those two picks. So I don't know. They're
0: going to want Buddy. They're going to want Matherin. They're going to want, you know, at least a pick swap and two unprotected first for, uh, for Mikael Bridges. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's similar to the, to the conversation we were just having about Justin's point. I would not uh, fault them for doing that trade because they are doing everything they can to win. Uh, At the Mm -hmm. same time, gun to my head, would I do that trade? I'd find it difficult to do that trade because um, there's so much riding on the next sort of, you know, three or four years uh, of being able to re-sign Pascal. You've got to be able to re-sign Miles because he's a free agent after next season. You then have to re-sign Bridges and then you have Halliburton see outcome again and it sort of goes again. So you, you put yourself in salary cap hell because Bridges is only making 20 odd at the moment and he's going to be commanding double that. Miles is going to want to raise on what he's earning. Uh, Tyrese is going to be earning you know 30 40 a year Pascal is going to be earning 40 a year maybe more than that uh, mm-hmm. so if the cap does not go up to the degree that people are predicting then you're potentially paying those five guys you know 150 million dollars combined with miles Pascal Tyrese and uh and Mikhail uh, and that's precisely the situation that the best teams in the league find themselves in now, but it means they can't add to their rosters right. due to the second apron stuff. But at the same time, maybe who cares? Maybe you're doing everything you can to contend right now and maybe I would do it, talking it out. Maybe I would because maybe that puts you at the tippy top of the Eastern Conference.
1: I think the, the question is as well, like, do you got all your assets and then immediately the perfect like fifth guy becomes available and then you're kicking yourself in the butt. So, I mean, it's always the flip side of the NBA is that, you know, four or five guys request a trade every year. So it's true. The, and then, and then the domino effect of that is, okay, so now this team is blowing it up or or maybe the Pelicans blow it up right in two years. And you say, Oh man, we could have got drones on the cheap or could have got Brandon Ingram on the cheap, but we gave up all our assets for for bridges and it didn't work out. You also don't want to go to the Hawks route, right? Where yep. you, you trade everything on the back of one run and you pay all these guys big money. And two years later, you're like, what kind of roster do we have? We're at 500 and it's not looking good. So yeah, the, the, the paces are an interesting one. I think uh, most fans will be in agreement that we're happy. They, they did the Carken trade, and I'm um, as you said, like just so stoked to have a second star next to Tyrese. Um, but it is a it is a balancing act for the front office over the next six or twelve months, because I think they do have to remember that this is still, you know, less than two years into a rebuild, right? Like I think Pacers fans need to remember that the they started this in February of 2022. Yeah, so I don't. Don't think we should rush anything. Let Tyrese get a playoff series under his belt. Let him and Siakam grow a little bit. And uh, you know, if a guy becomes available, like Herb Jones, then you strike. Go out and go out and strike. But yeah, I don't think that the Pacers should be like rushing and going out of their way to to give up assets for someone right right now.
0: Well, I mean, the the thing in the favor of thinking that they are going to make another trade and they are going after a fifth starter is the report that the Pacers attempted to trade for both Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. Yep. So that, that tells you that they think that they are one starter short and that they want a guy the caliber of OG Ananobi but weren't willing to give up what it would take given his contractual situation. So maybe they are willing to give up their remaining big asset or assets to get a guy like Mikhail Bridges. Um, because if you can trot out Tyrese Halliburton, Mikhail Bridges, Aaron Neesmith, Pascal Siakam, Miles Turner, you can bring out <laughs> DJ McConnell off the bench.
1: Good starting five. Man. Uh,
0: I mean, <laughs> there's no holes in that starting five, is my point. And ultimately, mm-hmm. then. You, you match up extremely well against Philadelphia. You match up extremely well against Boston all of a sudden. You match up extremely well against Milwaukee. You already do. Um, and then you, you're coming up against Western Conference teams potentially in finals because that is, a, that is a stacked starting lineup. And if you can keep a Jarris Walker and if you can keep an Andrew Nemhard and a TJ McConnell and a Jalen Smith, all of a sudden. You've got a nine-man rotation there that is scary good. So maybe I'm talking myself into it, Alex. Maybe <laughs> as we sit here... Like as this episode about.
1: has just been us going in circles. We're like, oh, the Pacers, we're happy they we made see? a trade. They, they'll be fine. And then and then, 20 minutes later, yeah, let's let's do it, boys. Let's go let's for do that first start. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah,
0: that's it. Give up everything. I think, look, it probably underscores that this is not a situation that we as Pacers fans have found ourselves in, ever. Right. We we never get the big guy. We never trade for the All-Star. We never have players wanting to come and play for this ball club, and yet we traded for the All-Star, and yet there are reports of players wanting to come and play with Tyrese Halliburton. It is a... Ooh,
1: we got to talk, talk about that. we got to talk about
0: that. It's a euphoric situation, Alex.
1: That when Woj said that, yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago, I think. But the fact that, first of all, Siakam now, this is a rumor, like, this is a report, take it with a grain of salt. But the fact that, you know, there wasn't mutual interest with the Warriors, yeah, it's like, crazy. Siakam basically said, Yeah, let's go to the Pacers instead of the Golden State Warriors, like, that blows my mind. Tyrese is first in all star fan voting as a Pacer, like, what? We're, we're living in a, uh, in a twilight zone as Pacers fans, it feels like. But that's how good Halliburton's been, and this was something that the woes talked about is that the in-season tournament. Like people can laugh at it and say, "Hey, like yeah, the Pacers had a hangover after." But look at what happened, right? The Pacers got three national TV games, and all of a sudden people are realizing how good this dude is, and that hey, like he's gonna get you paid. This guy averages twelve and a half assists a game. He gets teammates involved. Everyone's having career seasons with him, like Jalen Smith, Aaron E. Smith, Obi Toppin, all these guys were lottery picks who were seen as fails. Uh, They come to Indiana, play with Halliburton, play in this system, and they're all going to get paid. So for me, it's look, if you're a third, if you are that fifth star or that fifth starter, if you are a star looking around the league, who do I want to play with? I understand Indy's not. Uh, uh, free agent destination historically but all of a sudden uh, guys guys might want to come and play with with Tyrese and I'll throw this to you as well how confident are you in Siakam re-signing because for me I think I might be I I might be close to like 95 plus percent for me
0: yeah I think it's we're clearly in a honeymoon period after a trade so you have to be a little bit conservative
1: that's why I'm not that's why I'm not saying 100 right now
0: (laughs) yep But at the same time, you know, in Pacers fans, they're fantastic in that building when the team has hope. And I think the team has hope. And I think the Pacers fans will wrap their arms around these guys and, you know, beg Pascal Siakam to stay and force him to stay by how much love they show him. It's clear that his values are aligned with the club's values. And that is a gigantic thing because it is rare to find a player like Tyrese Halliburton who is a fairly reserved conservative yet exciting and, you know, forthcoming and transparent guy. Um, It's rare to find another guy like that. They have in Pascal Siakam and they're growing a roster of players like that. Miles is like that as well. Um, And... In terms of the report, so I am confident that Pascal will resign, resign, but in terms of Woj's report that the guys want to come and play with Tyrese Halliburton, I want to go back to USA Basketball last you know summer in, in the States. Mm, um, yep. Tyrese was on that team. Two guys that were on that team that we've mentioned on this episode already are Mikhail Bridges and Brandon Ingram. Um, now, Ingram really struggled. He had a terrible World Cup. Bridges was on the floor with Tyrese a lot and, you know, he's played with Chris Paul uh, for a number of years. So he knows and understands the value of playing with a pass-first point guard that can also take over a game at different points in time. And Tyrese's numbers and Chris Paul's numbers at similar points in their careers are, are, you know, staggeringly similar. Um, Hmm. So I think you have to consider that Guys like Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, who played with Tyrese over the summer, got to see this firsthand. And where have we seen the most recruiting done, you know, covertly in off seasons? Well, it's it's USA basketball. Uh, so I, I wouldn't know Record at all. Record
1: amounts of tampering yeah, go on yep. in those training That's facilities. It. Can't stop players from
0: talking to each other. Um, I've got almost no doubt that conversations were had about teaming up at certain points between, you know, USA Basketball teammates. Uh, And we've heard that Tyrese was trying to recruit players to Indiana. So, I've you know, no source on this, but my assumption based on who was on that USA Basketball roster, based on the contractual situations of those players, based on the type of players that Indiana needs, was that Tyrese would target a guy like Mikael Bridges and say, hey, come play with me. I'll make it as easy as Chris made it for you in Phoenix offensively. If you can make it as easy on me as you made it on Chris defensively, please. Um, <laughs> and that's a pretty enticing thing for a guy like Mikael Bridges, who's played in NBA finals and has been part of a key team that's that's been on some big runs. So I, I really think that there is an outside chance. If Brooklyn ever have a meeting, if Mikael Bridges ever gets to a point where he is disgruntled, and desperately wants a trade, I think Indiana will be in those sweepstakes. And I think Indiana have the assets to be able to do that deal.
1: Maybe this is like, uh, I don't know, a bit of a homer take as well, but the Nets are in a weird situation. I feel like they have to capitalize on McCall's value, which if they turn down four first for him last year, I don't think they're going to get more than that for him um but because he's like he's as a you know he's first option now for the first time it hasn't gone very well the nets are just not that good they're in a weird spot um i don't know i just think that like you said maybe bridges gets to a point where he's dejected and wants to go back to a a contending team but yeah i think that's why the league is so interesting because there's Always players moving. There's always players talking. I hate to bring it up, but this was talked a lot when the Siakam trade happened. The Pacers, you know, reportedly ignored Paul George when he said AD wanted to play with him, which you look back at that Pacers roster. Did they have the assets for AD? No. Would the Pelicans have traded him? No. No. But, But if the Pacers did ignore that, you would hope now, you know, what, like seven, six, seven or eight years in the future, hopefully. They've learned from from some of their past mistakes, and it sounds like Tyrese is heavily involved in the front office decisions. Which, right, like he should be, to be honest, because he's probably going to last a lot longer in this franchise than than some of the guys in the front office. So, hopefully, he has a uh, a hand in what's going on in the future.
0: GM Tyrese, We, uh, you know are yeah, GM Chad, what are we Chad cool Buchanan, teams? Chad Kev <laughs> Richard, Tyrese Halbert, and sitting in a room talking about how can we get McHale Bridges. I love it. Alex, welcome back to Australia. Uh, Glad that you got home in one piece. We've been the Paceroos. We will see you again shortly. Won't be as long as last time, but thanks for listening.